Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red, red wine to pina coladas. My name is Allie, and I'm your host. Today is Friday, January 29th, and today is a free-for-all Friday. This is episode 18. Guys, I am so, so sorry I missed Wednesday's episode. As some of you may or may not know, I started a new job on Monday at our local craft brewery. Shout out to Annapolis Brewing Co. for the opportunity to learn all about beer and how it's made and how to run a canning line. And, well, truth be told, I dropped the ball a little bit and I didn't get all of the podcasts recorded before starting this week. Working normal people slash banker hours is kind of hard after working hospitality insane hours for years and years. So it's been a bit of an adjustment for me, to say the least. But enough about that. I'm sure we'll get back to beer and Annapolis Brewing Company soon enough. Today we're going to talk about a killer scotch-based cocktail, since Monday we talked all about scotch, and I'm sure you all ran out and bought a bottle or two of scotch. So, today we will be talking all about the cocktail called Blood and Sand. So let's jump on in. The Blood and Sand cocktail is named for a 1922 silent film of the same name. Uh, There was a remake in the 1940s. Of the movie by the same name might be the 30s um, and it kind of modernized it and made it into a speaking film instead of just being a silent film but the original is what the cocktail is named for the movie stars um, Rudolph Valentino aka silent films Latin lover aka the first kind of Italian stallion of the film industry uh, and as star he really must have been side note here guys after his death in 1926 80,000 mourners caused a near riot in New York City for his funeral. It's crazy. Can you imagine that? 1926, 80,000 mourners for a movie star when he died. Craziness. Anyways, in the movie, Valentino plays a bullfighter who swings between his wife and his mistress, and it's a very convoluted love story. And the cocktail is named for all of the emotions that the movie invokes for us. Now, like many of these pesky but oh so delicious, Prohibition and pre-Prohibition era cocktails, we have no idea how this cocktail came to life. We do know that it first appears in print in the 1930s copy of the Savoy Cocktail Book by legendary barman Harry Craddock. Side note, the Savoy Cocktail Book is a gorgeous book. It's still in print today. It's, I believe, on its sixth printing, um, or was in 2014. I ordered mine online, so you can find it. It's uh, pretty easy to find. It's a fabulous Art Deco-style cocktail book, though sometimes the ingredients can be tricky to find or the measurement's a little bit odd. There's a lot of, like, a spoon or a recipe that calls for just gin, Campari, or gin, vermouth, and stout. And there's no real measurements as to how it would be put together. So it can be a little bit tough. Some of the cocktails are a little bit out there. But it's a great resource. It's a beautiful book. Um, And the Savoy, being the Savoy Hotel in London, um, Harry Craddock was the barman and head bartender at the American Bar during Prohibition in um, the UK at the Savoy. So he was actually an American, well, he was not American, I believe he was actually British, became an American citizen, left the United States with a large influx of other bartenders during Prohibition, settled at the Savoy, uh, created the cocktail book, 
and uh, actually, shockingly, died as a pauper in the 1960s. So he's buried in a pauper's grave, which is kind of an interesting fact. So apparently, even though he was really famous in his time, just goes to show that how far the, how far the mighty can fall. Now, whether or not Craddock actually invented the blood and sand or stole it from somebody else or simply just wrote down the specs first, um, this book is the first time that we see it in print. So it's the first time that we notice it and uh, everybody can recreate it. So as with most Prohibition-era cocktails, it was popular in its age. It fell, of, fell out of favor for quite a, some time. And then in the 90s, it finds its sweet spot of salvation and revival with that cocktail revival or renaissance that we talked about before. Thanks in large part to Dale DeGroff, who, much like um, Jeff Beach Bumberry, is one of the godfathers of the modern cocktail renaissance. And in all my research, it is said that the blood and sand has been a staple of cocktail menus basically since it started, and definitely since the 90s when we see the renaissance come in. Now, in my personal experience, I've never seen one written on a bar menu. I know most bartenders know how to make one, but I've definitely never seen it written down on a menu. Um, so much like the Jungle Bird is a dealer's choice kind of drink for rum-based cocktails, the Blood and Sand has, in my personal experience, been a dealer's choice for scotch-based drinks. A little note before we get to the recipe. The recipe calls for a product called Cherry Herring. Now, cherry herring is a dry, sort of cherryish liqueur that's no longer available, and I'm not sure it ever was available here in Nova Scotia. Now, not to be confused, don't confuse it with cherry liqueur or cherry brandy, both of which are much sweeter than cherry herring. After consulting with a friend of mine, uh, the second recipe you're going to hear was a recipe that we kind of decided on would make a nice kind of compliment um, and kind of revival stylistic of what we could find here in Nova Scotia, which if you're in a smaller market, you probably can too. If you can find cherry herring, that's really cool. But like I said, um, it has gone out of production, so I'm not sure if you would be able to or not. Alrighty. The original recipe. In your shaker, add three quarters of an ounce of scotch. Most recipes uh, just say scotch, but it's a good idea to use a blended scotch or at least a very unpeaty scotch for this cocktail. So you definitely don't want to go going to an Isla scotch, um, probably more of a Lowlands or maybe even uh, an Islands scotch, um, something that's a little bit smoother, a little bit more fruit-driven, um, like that dry fruit, that fig, and um, fruit cake, Christmas cake kind of a flavor profile we talked about this week, as opposed to something that's really uh, peat forward and smoky. Okay, so to that, we're gonna add three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth, three quarters of an ounce of cherry herring, and three quarters of an ounce of freshly squeezed orange juice. It's important to note that we definitely wanna use freshly squeezed orange juice, not just uh, orange juice out of a can. Uh, so then we're gonna add ice to our shaker. We're gonna shake it up nice and vigorously and then strain it into that coupe glass. Um, or a Nick and Nora glass, which kind of is more of an upright-shaped coupe glass. And there we have it. Now, if you're thinking, man, Allie, you're so out to lunch with this. What a weird cocktail. Well, you wouldn't be wrong. It is a bizarre one, but 
well and truly tasty when done right. So if you're using a peaty scotch or a sweetened orange juice, it's going to throw the balance off a little bit and it's not going to taste quite as nice as if we're using a nice um, more fruit forward scotch or freshly squeezed orange juice. So much like the Negroni, we're seeing all equal parts being used for all of the products that we're putting in there. So it's a little bit easy to remember. It's definitely why it is a dealer's choice for a lot of people because it's an easy spec to remember. Um, it makes it easy. You can just flip everything in and it's good to go. Okay, so the late night version we came up with is as follows. So in your shaker, add three quarters of an ounce of that scotch. Your same measure of orange juice, again, freshly squeezed. Um, at least use like really good high quality pre-made orange juice, like not from concentrate if you can't find fresh squeezed. Um, but it's about half an orange's worth of juice that you're gonna need. And then that three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth. Again, like we talked about before, um, sweet vermouth and dry vermouth in like vermouth in general are definitely somewhere where it's worth splashing out to get really nice versions of them as opposed to just using whatever you can find that's kind of bottom shelf. Now instead of the cherry herring, we're going to add half an ounce of dry cherry. Um, again, not too dry, you want a nice fruit forward flavor profile. And a quarter of an ounce, so each, of cherry liqueur and Aperol. So those are going to balance out those dry fruity flavors with that nice citrus punch and a tiny bit of sweetness because you'll notice in those ingredients, those sweet vermouth is used. It's not actually overly sweet. So we're going to add ice to our shaker. We're going to shake it up for about 20 to 30 seconds. Then we're going to strain it into our frosted or our chilled glass. Again, wanting to use a coupe or a Nick and Nora, um, something along those lines. Now when we're shaking, we actually want to add about 25% volume to our cocktails. So you have three ounces there of liquid that we're adding in, three and a little bit with the Aperol in this recipe. And we want to add a quarter of that in volume, so that's just under an ounce. It's just about, just between, somewhere between, I don't know, three quarters and an ounce of extra liquid. So you're going to have just over four, around four ounces of liquid total when you pour it out of your glass. And there we have it. So what do you think? Would you be willing to try a blood and sand? Are you going to order it next time you go out to a cocktail lounge when we can all go back out to a cocktail bar and we're not in lockdowns? Let me know over on the podcast blog post on the website. And with that, guys, we'll wrap up another episode. I know this, guys, was just a nice little shorty short here. And I, like I said, I apologize for not getting out Wednesday's episode. But this weekend, we will record all of next week's episodes so we can get them up and going and you won't have to worry about it. So if you want to get in contact with me, whether it's to leave me a question, comment, a show topic idea, you can head over to the website, Drinks with Allie. So D-R-I-K-N-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I.com. And you can leave a comment on either this podcast, so podcast episode 18's post, or you can fill in the contact form. You can send me an email at drinkswithally at gmail.com. So again, D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, uh, Twitter, Spotify, Pinterest, and TikTok. Apparently I had a video go viral this week. 
Just a seven second video of our canning line at the brewery. So it's uh, the place to be apparently if you're doing booze. With that, guys, fill your glass with something tasty, and I will talk to you soon. Cheers, everyone.